0: WellnessCouch.com. streaming wellness into your lives.
1: Hi, Dr. Brett Hill here from The Wellness Guys and That Paleo Show. One lucky Wellness Couch member is going to receive a pair of the awesome Vivo Barefoot Ultras for summer, and it could be you. All you need to do is become a member for free by signing up at com.
2: Welcome to Careers Unplugged. A weekly show connecting you to secrets of career success. Careers Unplugged is hosted by Rich Sayer and Stu Hayes and proudly sponsored by the Master of Me coaching program.
3: If you feel being happy, committed, and passionate about your career is important, you're in the right place. My name's Rich Sayer, and I'm here with the fabulous co founder of Careers Unplugged, Make It Big Training, and the Master of Me coaching program, Stuart Hayes. Stu,
0: good afternoon. Good afternoon, Rich. It's great to be here and great to be on the call with you again. Well, thank you, sir. And in particular, I have to say I am very much looking forward to our episode today. Tell me more. We have got an absolute ball of energy on the line. Uh, Our guest today is one of Australia's most highly regarded human resources directors. She's worked for the commercial and the not-for-profit sectors during her career and also as a consultant, so the complete range of options for most people. She's held a range of leadership roles at organizations including Accenture, Hudson and Logical Edge and has helped clients such as Census, Johnson & Johnson, Janssen-Sealag, Perpetual, Vizi and a whole bunch more. Jenny Butcher, thanks for being on the show.
2: Oh, Thank you for having me.
3: You're very welcome. Jen, that's a pretty big rap. You know, <laughs> yes. uh, so tell me a little bit about the journey. Where did it all begin?
2: Wow, yeah, it's um, it's it's interesting when you hear someone reflect on your career like that, isn't it? Yeah. So where did it all begin? Gosh, many many years ago. Um, <laughs> once upon
3: a time. <laughs> once upon a time.
2: Um. So I, yeah, I was in an interesting situation, I suppose, when I graduated from school and i um i decided that i'd like to go into the helping professions mm. i was sort of you know at that stage where i thought that that sounded like a you know a, a way to give back i suppose or contribute to you know to you know to the community and so i after some career advice myself i um undertook a bachelor of applied science um specializing in psychology and social work mm. okay and yeah, so that's where my career started. But it was quite interesting because I was actually only, unbeknown to me, one of four school leavers that was accepted into the course. So it meant that in you know fifty other people um, attending the university that I went to were, were mature age students, and most of them brought a wealth of experience. Most of them had been working in you know related fields, and here was I as a school leaver. So it was pretty it was pretty daunting and overwhelming at the time. I have to say.
3: Was it when you look back at that? Was that uh, actually a privilege? Did you learn a lot from those people unbeknownst at the time?
2: Uh- yeah absolutely. you know I mean i you know I grew up I, I my my mother had actually died when I was fifteen, and so I think I had grown up quite quickly at that age as well, and I think I was quite mature, um, but on reflection, yeah, I didn't know very much at all compared to these people, so yeah it was um it was an absolute privilege and you know I learned so much from them and and they really took us under our wing as well. I mean there were four of us, and they really you know it wasn't like they put it at arm's length and said, you know what are you wanting to do in this career?" <laughs> They actually, or this profession, they really, you know, um, you know, took us, um, yeah, t- took us with them on the journey, which I, yeah, was something I really respected.
3: And the first job out of uni?
2: Yeah, the first job out of uni, I mean, it was a pretty tough job market. I mean, I, I, um, I look at it now, I know it's pretty tough too, but I remember at the time thinking it's going to be difficult for me to um, to get a job. Um because i am i don't have any experience I'm competing with all these other people that have had welfare related jobs, yeah, so I really had to think about how to differentiate myself and i had um I'd had some good advice from some of these more mature age students whilst i'd been studying and they um I had done some voluntary work in um child related fields and so when I graduated i actually um i got a, a fabulous job as what was called then a like a substitute care officer right working um with children that had to be removed from their family so it was actually a government based job uh I was you know 20 years of age and I mean these days they will not give those sorts of jobs to 20 year olds and nor should they to be honest like it was I just I can still remember the first cases I was involved in they were just like horrendous situations and as a 20 year old with very limited life experience Yeah, I probably wasn't very well equipped.
0: That's like a baptism of fire, though. I mean, jumping Mm -hmm. out of uh, university, Mm -hmm. uh, how did you cope with that?
2: Yeah, look, you know, it's just, you know, people always ask you that and you kind of think, you know, it's just, you know, it's what my training prepared me to do. Um, It's sort of, you know, I had fabulously experienced um, people that I was working alongside. But I, I still remember, you know, having to remove a child in my first visit from her family, um, where she had been, you know, ha- had been sexually abused by, you know, her father or actually like stepfather. And I still remember that so vividly mm. um, because it was just it was very traumatic. And um, but I certainly you do take it in your stride because it's sort of what you're trained to do. Yeah. And um, yeah, so I sort of can remember just you know you just go through the process and you're supported through that with more experience people but the situations you're confronted with are extremely you know difficult and unusual
3: what were your career goals Uh, Mm. let's just say when you first came out of uni yes what were you thinking life for Jenny Butcher was gonna have (laughs) gonna hold did you have any clear ideas were you still sort of you know like a lot of people letting life unfold and see where it all went
2: yeah, I, yeah, it's an interesting question. I, I think I was just very much focused on getting a job. You know, I think I just wanted to work. I wanted to get some experience. And I think that was because so many of my fellow colleagues or fellow students at university um, had been mature age and had talked a lot about sort of experiences they'd had. And the course that we did was also very practical, Mm. and so I'd done some very large, well, long placements. Mm. So one of them, for example, um, had been six months working with the education department with um, a social worker in a very um, underprivileged area within Perth. And um, so, you know, you'd had these experiences, and so I was very keen to sort of get some runs on the board. I don't think I looked much past the next year or two, to be really honest.
3: And... uh you know, you mentioned these sort of mature age students when you were at uni. Did you feel that you were behind the eight ball, that those mature age students actually had more advantage than you? Or do you think that youth played some part in actually creating opportunity for you?
2: Well, I, I think I think it's a – yeah, look, possibly. I mean, I certainly think it's very different circumstances today when people perhaps um, – you know, look at age and experience. But in those days, um, I, I was very flexible. I said I was prepared to, you know, to go anywhere. Um, a lot of the, the other students, the four of us, three of the um, other school leavers who had done the course with me had w- actually went to the Northern Territory. Right, and right. I said that I wasn't really prepared to go to the Northern Territory, but I was happy to go within, you know, within the country, which is where I went. I actually went mm. to the okay. south of West Australia in a place called Albany which is a, you know, a four-hour drive from Perth. And I thought, you know, that was sort of, you know. You had a
3: whale like- of a time there. <laughs>
2: yes. <Yeah. laughs> so, yeah, so, you know, I think that the fact that I could be quite flexible was, you know, a lot of them had families and obviously were a little bit more set in their ways. I think they'd also um, had particular, I was quite open to the area I worked yep. in. Whereas I think a lot of them kind of knew, you know, I want to work in drug and alcohol, I want to work in, you know, with disabilities or I want to work in whatever it is. Whereas I was quite open and quite flexible about that. I just wanted a job.
0: So I'm actually picking up a few really powerful messages there, you know, that um, a lot of the younger people that we talk to these days, they they do get out or they try to get out and get internships, um, mm. and get work experience. Uh, and it's actually a little bit controversial in some sectors because, you know, they're not paid a high rate. Mm. But that, is that a combination or is that sort of um, preparedness to get up and do that sort of work together with being flexible, together with just saying, well, I'm going to take whatever comes wherever it is? Is that something that you think would um, stand people in good stead in 2013 as well?
2: Oh, absolutely, Stu. You know, I think that, you know, people have to be extremely flexible and I think that they have to take whatever opportunities present themselves. Um, You know, they've got to work out how to differentiate themselves. You know, I I mean, I, you know, I know that um, university students today are being told, you know, 5% of you will get jobs, you know, in this particular course, for example. And, um, you know, that's really tough. So you've got to work out how do you do that. And, I mean, if an internship allows you to get some experience, some runs on the board get some exposure, work out what it is you really, you know, you're passionate about, what do you think you'd like to do and you might be good at, then I think that that's extremely valuable and worthwhile. Absolutely.
0: How important is passion in all that? You know, you mentioned that you're passionate about, but equally you're talking about um, taking what comes along as well.
2: Yeah, I think, I suppose when you're starting out, it's a bit hard to work out at that stage and what you're necessarily passionate about. But I think you work out pretty quickly what you enjoy and, and enjoyment can translate further down the track into passion. Absolutely. You know, um, You know, someone was asking, one of my clients was asking me the other day, would I go back into an HR director role? And I said, you know, no, I wouldn't. I'm passionate about what I do now. I really love it. So, you know, I think passion is one of those things, but I can say that now, you know, maybe when I'm starting out, you know, I can say I enjoy it and I feel challenged by it and I can see myself, con- you know, continuing in it, but actually passionate Probably, I don't necessarily know that I would have known what that really was at that stage.
1: Yeah.
3: <laughs> so, uh, just just extending that idea, is passion what you put your personal success down to, or are there other, or how do you measure your personal success now within your career?
2: Yeah, for me, um, look, I think it's a balance of things. You know, I, I really enjoy what I do now, and I feel very passionate about it because I think I've. Reach that stage in my career where it's sort of a combination of lots of different things. Mm. So what I value now is very different to what I valued when I started out. Mm. And, um, you know, the sorts of things that are important to me are, you know, I like to work with a diverse range of clients, for example. You know, I like to see different cultures and and work environments. I like to have different um, people that I work with, different leadership styles. I feel I can add more value um, where there's a more diverse range of, I guess, clients and experiences. Um, and so, I, you know, that's what I enjoy and I also enjoy the flexibility. You know, I can work kind of, you know, as much or as little as I want to work in lots of regards. So, there's lots of things there that, you know, with having a family that that's important to me. So... Yeah, there's lots of different things I think I feel, you know, I value now compared to when I was starting out, absolutely.
3: And the the journey from, you know, from I just want a job <laughs> to, yes. to, you know, well, I like my freedom and, and uh, you know, everything you've just said, there's obviously been lots of incremental steps in, in the mm. journey and along the way some tough decisions. Can you tell us about any of the tough decisions, things you've – found hard challenges that you've overcome?
2: Yeah, look, um, I was at a, you know, I was sort of thinking about this because I thought that might be one of the questions I get asked. I mean, I would expect it to be anyway. Yeah, I suppose one of the difficult um, decisions I made was um, um, when I actually um, had, I was in a very senior role um, within the child protection um, sector, so not for the sector, and um, I'd met My current husband now, but he was just, you know, a boyfriend at the time. And he um, had taken a job overseas and said to me he didn't believe in long-distance relationships. And, you know, either I came with him or that was it. And I was just like, goodness me, I've never quite been given those ultimatums before and (laughs) took my career quite seriously. And so I was very fortunate and my current employer at the time said I could have 12 months leave. And I thought, oh, that's great. So, yeah, I'll I'll go on this journey um, overseas. So, um this is and I was over the age. I must have been just. I think the the working visa, working holiday visas, you had to be under twenty seven, and I think I was twenty seven, and so I knew I didn't qualify for that. But I had some friends living in in Canada who had said to me, "Oh, it's okay, you know." I got a job without that arrangement. You'll be fine. (laughs) So I thought, okay. And so, you know, we did some travelling and arrived in Vancouver and my husband went off to work and I thought, oh, well, I better try and find myself a job. Mm. And I applied, you know, in child protection because that's what I knew and thought, you know, I've got lots of valuable experience and won't that be interesting to sort (laughs) of...
3: Uh, uh, fr- from child protection to border protection. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, sorry, keep going.
2: <laughs> so anyway, a very long story short. Um, I I secured a great job, but uh, the the Canadian government wouldn't give me a visa to work. They said there were so many unemployed social workers that they would rather you know train and develop their own than you know. Um, you know, give an opportunity to an implant, so it was a really you know challenging time for me because I sort of had used to be working working very hard and and you know I was suddenly on my own in a strange country with you know not not a lot of friends or networks, so yeah, I mean I had to really um you know think about and reassess you know how was I going to spend my time so yeah, I certainly enjoyed many ski days um, <laughs> but at the same time I, it is when I actually reassessed my career and, um, and that's at the time when I decided that I thought I'd, you know, have a look at what, what else was out there and mm. um, I actually commenced some studies in Vancouver in, in HR and that's what I continued when we came back to Australia.
0: Fantastic. A landmark turning point by the sound of it.
2: Yeah, so it was, you know, opportunity really because I, I think sometimes, you know, you get in you're in a job, you're really enjoying it, you're just doing it day in and day out and you don't have that time to actually think about things. So sometimes, well, for me, it really forced me to sort of think about it, you know, what is it I want to do? And, um, yeah, it was, you, you know, it was that, opportunity.
0: That perhaps had you not had that time, um, you ever thought about what might have happened?
2: Yeah, it was interesting you should say that because, um was only last week i um had to take um one of my children was debating out at tara school which is quite a long way from where i live in the eastern suburbs in in sydney and um it was opposite where i was working at the time that we went to live in canada and so i was given this 12 months leave and um a, a company called burnside and that's opposite tara school and i mean it's in north paramount it's not somewhere i go a lot and so i took you know my daughter there, and I said, you know, this is where I used to work. This is actually where I was working when I met your dad. You know, so it was really quite, you know, opportune to sort of look back. And so they were quite, you know, inquisitive about, you know, what was I doing then, and you know, did I have any regrets? So we had that sort of conversation. But yeah, I mean, it's um, it would have been a very, you know, I'm still quite connected with people I knew then, and um, you know, I'm their friends, and I sort of interested in their careers. But no, I don't have any regrets. When I think though that it. Pro- so, I was just going to say I think it provided a fantastic foundation for me then to move into the consulting world. Well, one, of the, one of
0: the really powerful uh, observations that you made before um, was really the, the importance of being able to step back and look at your career from a distance that you managed to have the time to do uh, unexpectedly when you're in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, what about involving mentors or coaches or people to help you do that? Have you done that in your career?
2: Yeah, and, and I think that that's you know something that you know in those days you know we you know coaching wasn't something um, that was you know necessarily a formalized career, so they didn't really exist. Mentors did. Um, but often mentors were internally within your organisation, mm. so I think often you're a little bit cautious about that because if you're thinking that you want to perhaps take your career in a different direction, it's a, you might consider it a bit risque sometimes to to look at an internal mentor. But yes, I I, I use a coach, you know, myself, and I think that it's it's absolutely critical. Um, you know, it really helps me look at what my options are at any time mm. and whether it's. Just just what I'm doing within a particular client or um, whether it's, you know, professionally, you know, where do I go to next, I found that extremely valuable and worthwhile.
0: Okay. Do you, th- do you think that there's a, uh, there's a, a missing link in, in the, the corporate world these days where um, we're starting to embrace coaching and mentoring but maybe it's still not being appreciated fully for what it actually provides and how it works?
2: Um, look, I think the corporate world, um, uh, you know, well, from certainly from my exposure to it, they put the budgets aside to actually be able to afford to provide coaching and I programs in general, and I, I think that they do really value it. However, I do think there are some organisations where. Maybe it, it's, it is new for them and um, it's only through exposure or some sort of you know, particular experience that they get some opportunity to have a look at what, what's involved mm. and really see the impact of it. Um, but it's, it's making sure then that they you know, have the budgets to, to ensure that they build that as a program you know, into their training and development plans. Jen,
3: who or what gave you your biggest break in your career?
2: Oh, um, oh, gosh, that's an interesting question. Um, who do I think? Look, I one of the managers I had when I worked uh, at um, Accenture, which was Anderson Consulting in those days mm. before it was Accenture, um, then left and actually went to um, Morgan & Banks that then became TMP Worldwide, that then became Hudson. Her name was Melanie Conts and, and Melanie was um, – a fabulous manager. She was very, very empowering, and she was someone that just allowed you to really get on with the job, but you know, provide you with the guidance and support you needed mm. in order to do that. Um, and so, she, you know, I've worked with her numerous times since then on different projects, and even now, you know, still she'll often engage me with a, a coaching assignment. She's actually based in Canberra now, but um, yeah, I mean, you know, I. It's certainly, it's gone over, you know, I've known her for many years and we've just got a a huge level of respect, I suppose, in terms of, you know, what we each can offer each other.
3: Have you ever thought what would happen if you hadn't had support from... from, uh,
2: Melanie, yeah. Mm -hmm. Not really. I mean, I suppose I kind of think that you... I mean, there are these people that, are, you know, are certainly significant. I mean, I've had lots of managers I, I think I, who I think have really been valuable in my career, to be honest. Mm. Um, you know, I single out Melanie, but when I think about it, there's, there's numerous ones and I think that's one of the things that you really have to do is you have to really take advantage of those opportunities that present themselves mm. and you see the good in any scenario. I mean, I can think of one of my managers who's now a global leader in what she does and she was extremely unpopular by both, by most people mm. she was extremely strong-willed she knew exactly what she wanted she was very determined she you know she was very direct in the way she communicated she didn't give you the time of day unless she, you know you couldn't waste her time so you had to really you know use it um, sensibly she kept you
3: and, on on your toes <laughs>
2: correct I mean she held you accountable and you know what I had no problem because I thought it was all legit. I thought what she wanted was was reasonable and mm. and I think I grew and developed through that that through that experience. so I think it 's about taking the good out of any situation. I think that that 's a really good message Just, um,
3: yeah on that note, i mean I personally have had experiences where I think you know one of the biggest breaks came from me from other people doing a terrible job. You know, and and I was uh, working for one chap when I was very young and I learned everything what not to do from this guy (laughs) and uh, and I saw the good in that.
0: Jen, you mentioned um, that it's so beneficial to be able to see the good in, in any situation but sometimes we hit dark points in our careers, don't we? We hit those times where we really wonder if we've gone in the right direction. Has that sort of thing happened to you?
2: Well, not other than the, the Canadian experience, I suppose. Um, not really. I suppose, you know, I, I think it's up to me to create it then. You know, where do I, you know, explore other opportunities? And I've been very fortunate, I suppose, in that, you know, I've had, had the flexibility to be able to do that, um, you know, to be able to reassess and think, okay, well, now I'm going to study and do some further studies and I'm going to go in this direction. And fortunately, most things have come to fruition. Um, It hasn't quite gone how I thought it might, but there's been no major disasters, but I'm certainly working in the field I thought I'd like to work in. Am I doing exactly You've never
0: stuffed anything up? (laughs) Sorry? You've never stuffed anything up tremendously?
2: Oh, you've never stuffed anything up? Goodness me. Um. Look, you know, I've certainly—I—I I can't think of—you know—I've certainly had difficult clients, but I think in—in in terms of not always being able to specifically meet their needs, but then I would work really hard to try and meet their needs. I mean, you know, if you haven't delivered in the way you've wanted to, you know, I've gone out of my way to try and find a solution that—that um, that overcomes their concerns. I think that's your job as a consultant. So, um, I, I just so want to I-
0: jump in there actually and just uh, let everyone know. Uh- who's listening to this, that Jenny is renowned for that sort of um, high service delivery and and going the extra yard. So I think uh, it's a great strategy and I I certainly um, think you're wonderful at that, Jenny, in my experience.
2: Thank you. Yeah, that's really nice. But I do think that's your job. I mean, I think that's where working making that transition into the consulting world that that's what you learn you know you learn that the client's always right you've got to just find a way to try and help them they're they're paying a lot of money for these you know these projects and so you have to work really hard I mean but you also have to leverage the skills of the people around you you know you got to work out what else everyone else can contribute and it's your job particularly as a manager to 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 empower them to to help you deliver the outcome because you just can't do it on your own it's just not, you know, it's just not feasible. So it's really, it's a nice way of working out, well, how do I get the best out of these people? Um, And I think that's why I like to see the good in most scenarios. I mean, it's, you know, we've all got limitations, absolutely. And, um, but it's, it's working out very quickly what they are, and then leveraging the strengths and, and growing, developing people so that they can actually deliver what it is you need them to.
0: And what's your goal right now?
2: Well, oh, look, I really, I, you know, I talked before about passion. I, I really enjoy what I'm doing now. And, I mean, I when people ask me what else is would like to do, I just like to, to grow and develop what I do now. I mean, it's it's become quite, uh, quite a lot more focused. Um, you know, I'm not quite so diverse in terms of the range of clients I work with, but it providing, you know, leadership and management development programs, executive coaching, you know, training and development in, you know, with clients that really value what you do, No, I just love doing that, and I mean, I'd love to think I'm going to do that for the next ten plus years. Um, You know, as long as I can continue to deliver, you know, the goals and objectives that meet the clients' needs.
3: With all of the diverse roles you've had and uh, and environments, people you've met, what would be the career highlight? What would be the top of the mountain? What was the the thing or role that gave you the biggest buzz?
2: Well, um, it was probably the most challenging project I ever worked on. But I think when we won um, the opportunity to to do the Melbourne two thousand and six Commonwealth Games, and um, I was a general manager at the time of um, the Managed Services division, division at Hudson, right. and this meant that we were we had a, we the, the recruitment and talent management. And an outplacement was outsourced to, to Hudson. Mm. And so I had a team of people um, I needed to put in place to to recruit um, all of the um the games people. Mm. Okay. So it was an amazing project project, but it was exceptionally high profile. And unlike most projects, you just, you know, the the dates were non-negotiable. So um and so that was quite challenging. And the client was extremely demanding um but that was okay and um you know we delivered an amazing amazing outcome i mean you know just the games were delivered you know on time and you know on budget and all those lovely good things that clients like but i think it was just um, the passion of working in that sort of environment was just so i was just you know so energizing and having a really you know a team of people that worked very very hard um, it was, yeah, it was. You know, that was definitely a highlight because it was, I think, you know, something that was high profile. And most people know about. They can imagine what goes into delivering a games, and it was, yeah, it was very special. Yeah,
3: I actually hey, yeah. sorry, sorry. No, I actually worked on the com games too. We did the entertainment out at the uh, the village, and well, uh, I found it to be a challenging role, but a strange one because you're working for an entity that was going to cease to exist once the the games were over. And there was a lot of people that came together for that event and then Melbourne 2006 Commonwealth Games Corporation more or less ceased to exist. Yeah. So that, was, that brought in itself some strange anomalies, <laughs> you know.
2: Well, and I suppose for us, we did the outplacement as well, which meant that we actually had to help them find the next jobs. But most people, once they had the games experience... Um, they were then able to um, actually, um, you know, move on to something else. So we were, most of them were able to help with as long as they were flexible about, you know, moving countries.
0: <laughs> Jen, what would you say to someone who was, say, 25 now, you know, 22, 25, they've left university, um, what, what sort of golden nugget of advice would you give them?
2: Yeah, I think they've got to be um, open-minded about things and sort of be open to the opportunities that might present themselves and a little bit flexible about that. Uh, I know it's a really tough environment out there. I mean, I've got teenage daughters myself, so, you know, I see that and I hear it all the time from, you know, lots of students I know um, that, you know, they're not given a particularly, you know, attractive outlook in terms of the jobs market, et cetera. And I just think you've got to follow your heart and your ambition a little bit, but you've also got to explore opportunities. I mean, you've got to make the opportunities a little bit. Um, they've got to be a little bit relevant, so you've got to think about, I mean, you know, if I want to work in marketing, for example, you know, well, how can I, you know, add value there? How can I look attracted to a potential employer? So you've got to explore opportunities and just, you know, take advantage of any of those that present themselves and ask the question. I mean, I think that, you know, I love it when young people say to me, well, what would you do in my situation or, you know, what are some of the options I should consider here? And I think that that's really important, um, you know, ask the questions. I know I look at my daughters and I sometimes think, gosh, goodness, why don't they ask that person if there's something that they could, <laughs> you know, some voluntary work, for example, that they could do. If they're really interested in working in the film industry or something yeah. like that, you know, just, just explore. Great advice. Just, yeah, I think, it, you know, that's the sort of thing that I think is really
3: important. Jen, thanks so much for, for sharing uh, your journey on the show. It's about all we've got time for on this episode. Um, but thanks so much. There's been very thanks. interesting, great insights there that you've, you've shared with the listeners, Stu. Thoughts?
0: Uh, wonderful. I, I feel like we could talk for another half an hour, to be honest, but I realize we were, we've run out of time. So thank you so much, Jen. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, guys. And
3: to all of you at home, in the car or wherever you are, thanks for joining us. Make sure you visit careersunplugged.com or Facebook to leave your comments. And of course, give this episode a five-star rating on iTunes. Do it for Jen. This has been Careers Unplugged with Rich and Stu.
2: Careers Unplugged, proudly sponsored by the Master of Me coaching program, helping you succeed in life, career and business.
1: Hi, this is Dr. Brett Hill from The Wellness Guys and That Paleo Show. How would a pair of Vivo Barefoot Ultras feel on your feet this summer? These guys are awesome and our good friends at Vivo are giving away one pair of their newest range to one lucky Wellness Couch member. Vivo Barefoot shoes feature a puncture resistant flexible, non-pitched sole and a wide toe box which allows the foot to move as nature intended. As close to being barefoot as possible. All you have to do to be in the running is become a Wellness Couch member by midnight Sunday December 22nd, Australian Eastern Standard Time. Membership is free and comes with a range of benefits. To become an official member of the couch go to www.thewellnesscouch.com and enter your name and email address. Merry Christmas from all of us here at The Wellness Couch and may it be filled with great health and good times with those you love.
3: This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com.